Well, church, it is a, a privilege to be able to gather together. Today is day 36 of our 40-day prayer adventure that we have been going on, almost coming to an end. And uh, I'd like today to, be, uh, to share with you a message to encourage you and to help you as you finish strong. Uh, so let's take just a moment and think about the big picture of the things that we have covered over this 40 days of prayer. We've talked about the holiness of God, this idea of having a God that is transcendent and other. And, and I think that's so vital for us to begin there because if we don't have a God like that, we don't really have a God that's worth pursuing in prayer. We talked in the second week about the importance of repentance, and I, I just love that. I don't think we can emphasize that enough that, that humility that comes in, it's not about me, it's not about me finishing everything on my own, uh, but it's about in humility and in repentance, I lower myself and position myself for the work that God wants to do in me. Uh, week three, we talked about Holy Spirit power. You, there's, there's nothing better than that, that the importance of, of humble, repentant people then being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. This is his intended plan for your life. We access that power through prayer. And I think we've all experienced that prayer without the manifest presence of God, it's going to feel dutiful. It's going to feel dry. And so we invite the Holy Spirit into our lives to work. Uh, we talked about evangelism, how, how through prayer, in, in, in connecting prayer and evangelism, we see how the Lord wants to put on fire these acts of uh, demonstrations uh, of the gospel and declarations of the gospel. So uh, evangelism, vitally important. And then last week, we talked about remembering the marginalized and having a soft heart to be able to see our world the way that Christ sees it. And he was one that left the comfort of his heavenly home to come in and to draw us near to him. And so we see his heart in remembering the marginalized. Today, I wanna to talk about connecting prayer and missions. And that's where we're gonna go. If you have your Bibles, you can look in Acts chapter one. We're gonna spend our time today in Acts chapter one and two, looking at various verses there. But I, as you're turning there, I wanna take just a moment and I'm gonna ask you to think about a couple things. We talk about big picture and where we've come in this series. I want you to understand also uh, and maybe reflect on a few small scale, small picture, personal responses. What are the things that we have learned over these now almost 40 days? Well, one thing that I hope you have learned is the need for listening. Uh, when we take time to pray, we are taking time to be quiet and to be still before the Lord. I love Jeremiah 33, three. It says, uh, after he says, thus says the Lord who made the earth and the Lord who formed and established it. Here's what he said, this, this is promise. He says, call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and hidden things that you haven't known. And I hope that over these 40 days of prayer that there is a habit of listening that maybe is getting a little bit of a stronger foothold in your life. I know that it has been in mine. Another important one is this, the need for partnerships. I think I've become more and more aware of how much I need the body of Christ. Brothers and sisters who will come alongside with me, that will pray for me in seasons like this, and that I can join in praying for them as well. Uh, I'm reminded of what the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 6, 19. He says, this is the great Apostle Paul, the great missionary, the writer of much of the New Testament. And he says this, Pray also for me 
that whenever I speak, that words would be given, for, given to me that I may fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. To pray that I would, would declare it fearlessly as I should. And I just love the fact that here we have this, this hero of the faith, but he is not so big in his own eyes to say, I don't need you. He's saying, pray for me. Pray that God would work in me. So I, I, I hope that in this season, you've been listening. I hope that you're understanding your need for partnership. And the last thing I would encourage you is this. I hope that you're experiencing a greater need for sacrifice when it comes to this time of prayer. Think about this. Um, sacrifice of time. You could be doing many other things, but when we say in a season we are going to dedicate ourselves to a greater season of prayer, we are saying we are going to give that time. We're setting aside time to build the upper room ministry in our lives. Uh, another discipline, for example, when we think about the, the need for sacrifice is fasting. Uh, now, we didn't talk about this a whole lot in this series, but I would encourage you, even while these, these uh, few days that are left, I would encourage you to, to devote some time to fasting. If you're medically able to do that, even if it's just a meal or two, I, just as a personal uh, account, I found that as this season went on, in the first half of the season, I wasn't really doing any fasting. In the second half, I was doing some fasting. And I'm saying that not to pat myself on the back, but to say that suddenly God began to sort of turn up that level of clarity as he was speaking into my life. I was hearing things that I wasn't hearing before. The bottom line is this, that discipleship, if we're going to be serious about it, it requires sacrifice. And that is that root of discipline. So I hope that this season of 40 days of prayer has been really rich for you. Now, here's the other thing that's amazing about prayer. There is a depth and a purity about it that really astounds me. Realize that what we have done in these days is really only to scratch the surface. All the things that I've even talked about in review right now just is barely a scratching of the surface of what God can do and what God desires to do in and through his church regarding prayer. The beauty of the restored communion that we have with God because of Jesus Christ is that a little child can learn to talk to him in sincerity and listen to him in sincerity of heart. And yet at the same time, a scholar can devote her entire life to the deeper pursuit of kingdom building, heart shaping, and Jesus exalting prayer and still never exhaust the topic. So there's a beautiful depth in prayer that we experience and I hope that you are experiencing as well. Uh, there's also a purity of prayer. Oswald Chambers said this in his book, If You Will Ask. And this is something that Amy had shared with me recently. Uh, he says this. He says, there's only one service that, no, uh, that has no snares, and that is prayer. Preaching has its snares to the natural heart. I certainly can attest to that. So has uh, public service, but prayer has no snare. Prayer has no snare because it is based on the redemption of the Lord Jesus Christ made efficacious all the time by the Holy Spirit. So I hope that you are experiencing the beauty, the depth, the purity of prayer. Today, we're gonna wrap up this series by talking about the connection between prayer and missions. We're gonna go from the upper room of prayer to the ends of the earth. So read with me, if you will, in Acts chapter one. I'm gonna begin in verse three and following. It says this, 
After his suffering, that is Jesus, he presented himself to them, and he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Read in verse 8. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Flip ahead to Acts chapter 2, and look how this chapter begins in verses 1 through 4. Now we get the fulfillment of what Jesus has just said. Verses 1 through 4 of Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Let's pause there for just a moment. May God add blessing to the reading of his word. And now let's, let's digest this a little bit together. The first thing I want you to see is this. When we connect prayer and missions, we move to finish the unfinished work. Now, I don't know about you, but it always seems like there is something left to be done in life, right? When you're talking, whether you're talking about your home or you're talking about school or your job, uh, there's always something else to do. So life oftentimes feels unfinished. That's why in these early times of the year, we make New Year's resolutions because we want to get to those things that have been left undone. I love the A.B. Simpson quote that started the video here at the beginning of the service. He said, we need to finish our unfinished work. We need to do the things that we have thought of doing, intended to do, and this is the best part, and are abundantly able to do. The beautiful truth here is this, that the Holy Spirit of God enables the church to do things that she could never do on her own. So this idea of the unfinished work, we move to finish the unfinished things. Philippians 1.6 tells us this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. You know, when the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples at Pentecost, we know that at that point, the work of Christ that he had done on the cross, the resurrection of Christ, that had already been done. But now God in his faithfulness is going to be, is, is going to be completing his work of redemption. And so he is empowering his disciples and sending them out to do that. I was recently traveling uh, close to my hometown and uh, on the outskirts of town, there is an old dilapidated church that has been old and dilapidated as long as I can remember. All the way back in my childhood, I remember seeing this building. It was always in disrepair. I don't know that it was ever used in my lifetime. But about maybe 15, 20 years ago, somebody decided to start painting the church. I don't know any of the story. I don't know what the motivation was. Maybe it was a historical building. But anyway, they started painting this church. And uh, so the little front of the building got this beautiful coat of paint. And um, for whatever reason, that's where the job stopped. 
Now, I don't know if you've ever had a project like that, that you get started and you're excited about doing, but then you just don't, you run out of steam or you run out of money or something like that. I don't know what happened, but I do know that that church never got painted or repainted beyond that place. So I was traveling recently and I, and I passed that church and I just thought to myself, that same church has been in that dilapidated state as long as I can remember. And there's the painted front, which is now starting to look kind of dingy. Uh, and I thought, maybe that's not a bad metaphor for how the church is. Because the work on this side of heaven is still not done. There is still sanctifying work that God is doing in us to make us beautiful and to get us in the right state that he wants us. And the work that God wants to do through us is still not yet finished. But the Holy Spirit of God makes the church able to do the things that she could never do on her own. I think one of the key things here as we connect prayer and missions is that we've got to come to agreement with God regarding our own inability. Because only when we come to the place of seeing how big and, and how vast the mission actually is and how unable we really are in and of ourselves to do it, when we come to agreement with God in that, then we are prepared to receive and to embrace the help that he provides. So when a, when a leader like A.B. Simpson had this passion to, to leave the familiar and to go after the things that God was asking him to do, he was moved by passages like Matthew 24, 14. Matthew 24, 14 says this, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. See, he knew in his, in his theology of bringing back the king that there was a mission to be done. And until that unfinished work was finished, Jesus Christ was not coming back. We have the joy of helping to bring him back by taking the gospel message to every place on the earth. This is mission. This is the connection of prayer and mission. And when prayer begins to fuel the gospel, the gospel goes out from that which is comfortable and out into the unknown. So the first thing that prayer does when we connect prayer to missions is we move from finished to unfinished. Now let's look at this second point. When we connect prayer to missions, we begin to look outside of our known boundaries. I want you to think for a moment this morning about the relationship between belief and mission. You see, mission happens when we get outside of our common belief and, and we begin to interact with somebody who does not believe the way that we do, doesn't think the way that we do, doesn't live the way that we do. And we do that specifically with the intention of helping them to see something that they may not have seen before. Now, one of the things I see is that in the church, we do a good job of establishing our boundaries. We can state usually pretty clearly what it is we believe, but this is not the same thing as mission. And we need to understand this well if we're going to connect prayer to missions. I'll, I'll illustrate it for you this way. Um, I am a giant fan of donuts. The cream-filled donut is perhaps one of the wonderful creations that God has given us uh, here on earth. But not all cream-filled donuts are the same. And if you are a connoisseur, you may be asking yourself, yes, but is he referring to the beautiful and delicious angel icing creamed donut or is he talking about that strange thing from Bavaria known as the Bavarian-filled cream donut? You know what I'm talking about? Now, if you like one, 
it's, there's a very good chance you don't love the other. So I'm just telling you right now that I am a firm believer in the angel icing. The, I think that Dunkin' Donuts has it, they call it a vanilla headlight, and it has that light kind of icing in the middle. It's, it's wonderful, it is awesome. I can't eat too many of them because I'm getting too old for it, but that is what I'm talking about when I talk about a cream-filled donut. Now, if those of you who agree with me, and some of you are, are now you're really tuned in because you're saying, this man knows what, he talks, what he's talking about because of what I've just shared with you about donuts. Those of you who agree with me, we could get ourselves together and we could have a really nice, tasty little party and we could, we could celebrate what we believe to be a good cream-filled donut. But it's not until we get outside of that comfortable group and maybe talk to some of those heathens in the other camp and help them to understand that the way that they have been living and what they have been enjoying is in fact all wrong, that they would be able to see that there is a different way. Now we could have a mission. When you think about belief in the church, we are able to say things, like in this church, for example, you could look at our statement of faith. There is one God who is infinitely perfect, existing in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That is a statement of belief. We have statements of belief about salvation, that it is appointed to men and women on the basis of Jesus Christ and his sacrificial work and resurrection. We have statements about the existence of heaven and hell. We have statements about the church. We have things that map out what we believe. And these are important because what you believe marks the boundary of your community. It's a description that makes you distinct from another person or another community. But mission happens when you get outside of the security of that community and you take that message of belief to people who do not think or live or act or believe like you. Now, the reason this is so vitally important and the reason we need to pray is that we need to ask God to revitalize our missional edge you see, if a church doesn't have this, we begin to lose our missional edge when we become a place that we gather together with like-minded believers. But one of the things that I have found, and I see it all throughout Scripture, is this. Whenever the Spirit of God begins to stir up the people of God to move outside of their belief circle on mission with Him, there's always opportunity, and it's usually not very far away. And that's exactly what happens as we follow along in Acts chapter 2. It says, Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard the sound and the crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one was hearing in their own language and it was being spoken. So here's what we see, this, this powerful picture happening, the Spirit of God coming in, but the opportunity is not far away. God-fearing Jews from all over the world speaking their own language, they're now hearing the message in a language that's familiar to them. They're amazed and perplexed, verse 12. And they asked one another, what does this mean? And then some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. I think it's great. You know, the, the Spirit of God is moving in such a powerful way that the world is taking notice and they're saying, I don't know what's happening. They're having some kind of party or whatever. And we're going to see Peter step up and take the opportunity to be on mission here in just a moment. And this is actually the third thing that we see when we connect mission and prayer, prayer and mission. We begin to see the theme unfold of the New Testament church. Uh, Fred Hartley, in his book, Church on Fire, 
he makes this statement that everything in the New Testament is moving from the upper room to the nations. I want you to think about that for a minute. Why is it so vitally important that we as a church are building or perhaps rebuilding the upper room of prayer in our lives or in our ministry? Because what we see in the New Testament pattern is this, that everything in the movement from the New Testament is from the upper room to the nations. Look what happens in Acts chapter two. It says, Peter stood up, verse 14, with the 11, raised his voice, and he addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It is only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then he says, this is, this is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He goes on then to preach this powerful message. And at the end, verse 40 to 41 of Acts chapter two, it says this, with many other words, he warned them. He pleaded with them. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 people who did not believe or think like Peter suddenly were encountering the message of the gospel because the message didn't stay confined to the boundary of belief. It went out on mission and then we see the fruit. You know, last week when Pastor Chad was preaching and asked the question, why did Simpson leave his church to chase those who were out on the margins? Well, the truth is this, when it's fueled by prayer, the gospel goes out from the comfortable and out into the unknown. And we see this pattern happening all through the New Testament. And that is the pattern that God wants to do in us. God wants to build the upper room of prayer, not just so we can simply be gathered together and have really good prayer meetings, so I think that could happen, and it's beautiful when it does happen, but that ministry would be fueled as we are sent out. When we connect prayer and missions, when we build the upper room of prayer with the purpose of reaching our world, we see God do some pretty amazing things. I don't know if you know this, but we are part of the Christian and Missionary Alliance denomination. Right now, the U.S. Alliance is part of the Alliance World Fellowship. That represents over 6 million believers speaking 180 languages in over 22,000 different churches. I don't know if you know this, but right now, even as you're praying for mission, praying for the gospel to, to move forward in Holy Spirit power, every four minutes, through the ministry of the CMA, somebody is praying to receive Christ. Every, every hour, three patients are receiving physical and spiritual care through Alliance Medical Missionaries. Every week, over 3,500 new believers are baptized. Every month, 250 new groups or churches join the Alliance World Fellowship. When you pray for missions, when you ask Jesus, let your kingdom come, let your will be done, God stirs in some powerful ways and you are part of the redemptive work that God is unfolding. So when we get focused on missions, the question the Lord asks us is this, will you join me in building my church? Today, Jesus whispers versions of these questions to each one of us. Will you do what I ask? 
Will you join me in finishing my mission? Will you give sacrificially for the mission that I am pursuing? Will you be a prayer warrior for those who are still lacking access? Will you minister to those in your city for whom it has been made difficult to turn to the Lord? And are you willing to serve people today in the world who are still living without access to the good news? Today, will you let God do unfinished work in your heart and stir up readiness to join him in his unfinished mission? Church, we're gonna meet at the communion table in just a moment. In the coming weeks though, I wanna be sharing with you about hope initiatives. That's all about how do we take the good news of who Christ is and how do we minister and partner and do everything we can to get our focus up and get our focus out to see what God is doing in this world and to see the need that is right in front of us. But a powerful conclusion to this series on prayer would be simply this invitation. Do you have unfinished work that the Lord needs to do in you. We need to finish our unfinished work. We need to do the things that we have thought of doing, intended to do, and are abundantly able to do. I'm going to ask you to take a few moments right now before we meet at the communion table, and I'm going to invite you to pray. I'm going to invite you to do some business with the Lord, but would you join me right now as I conclude us in prayer? Jesus, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this season in which we have wrestled and we have, have, have dug in and we have leaned in in prayer. And Lord, many of us would say we've, we've probably barely scratched the surface of all that you desire to do. But Lord, we thank you for the steps in the direction of Christ. We thank you for building the upper room in us. We thank you, Lord, for inspiring us to be more like Christ who often found himself uh, drawing away to spend time with the Father. So Lord, I pray that we would do this. And Lord, as we've prayed today, I pray that, we, that there would be a fresh infilling of your Holy Spirit. Lord, you love to come in to lives that are willing, hands that are open. And so we open our hands to the infilling of your Holy Spirit, to the work that you have yet to do in us and through us. We say yes, we say amen. We say, come Lord Jesus. We say, do your work in us. And we thank you that this is all possible because of the work that you have done for us. And as we get ready to celebrate your broken body and your shed blood, allow your Holy Spirit to speak to us now. In Jesus' name, amen.